Welcome to another episode of Top Lines and Tales, your weekly livestock podcast. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Harbro, for their continued support. This week on Top Lines and Tales, we're going podcaster to podcaster when I was speaking to Noel Clancy there in Southern Ireland from the Out the Gap podcast. Uh, welcome to Top Lines and Tales. Thank you very much, Andy. Good to talk to you. And uh, I'm often used to listening to you on uh, as I go out and about. So uh, I enjoy your own one there. So, uh, yeah, good to chat. Okay. And, and you're a, a farmer, I, I believe, as well, down there in South Tipperary, down there in the South. Tell us a little bit more about, uh, about where you're from. Yeah, so I farm Andy, uh, yeah, South Midlands of Ireland in Tipperary. It would be quite, I suppose, a strong, uh, a strong farming county. A lot of pretty good land um, and some very good limestone land. So it would be a, a kind of a well-known area uh, for racehorse breeders, etc. Um, they like to, I suppose, a lot of a lot of young racehorses' bloodstock would be raised here uh, due to the limestone ground. That apparently it's very good for their bone development, etc. And we'd be in a very um, big dairy area here as well. Um, be very, very, I suppose, very, very strong dairy area. Not so much dry stock anymore, but um, on ourselves here we farm a kind of fragmented farm. We have uh, pedigree pole dorset sheep. We've commercial sheep then as well, um, suckler cows. And we we suppose we finish most of the lambs and the cattle, and we use uh, all AI as well on uh, the cows. Okay. So that's the spring spring calf and spring lambing, and then a small amount of pedigrees lambing in October, okay. just for a bit of extra variety. So that's <laughs> the that's my own uh, background. You're a busy man, and and South Tipperary, as you said, some better land down there. But the farming in Ireland would be obviously we're a, a mainly a UK podcast, although we got listeners all around. Um, but the farming in Ireland would be slightly different, I suppose, to, to the UK, where the farmers would generally be a little bit smaller, maybe a little bit less livestock, a lot of farmers sort of farming and keeping it another job. Would that be the same in Tipperary or is it more more larger scale? Uh, there would, yeah, there would be a lot of uh, part-time farmers. I suppose a, a similar maybe to parts of the north of Ireland, there would be a lot of part-time farmers, but... There would also be, um, yeah, also a lot of uh, grass-based dairy units, maybe 100 cows plus uh, that would be full-time farming as well. So a good mix, really. Um, Like there would be some quite relatively small farms that would be, you know, very well stocked and well managed uh, as well. Like so uh, that would be actually turning out a lot of stock really at a relatively small holding. Okay. Okay. And and, uh, uh, yourself, your farm, a family farm, I believe you've been uh, there a generation or two? Oh, we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're here uh, here a long time. So uh, I don't know, hopefully, I suppose people, you often hear people saying that they, they don't, you know, they don't mind if their children farm or not. But uh, I have a lot of effort going in here since I came back from New Zealand uh, a good few years ago. I have a lot of effort going in here with fencing and everything else. So uh, I'd love to think there'll be somebody to follow it on anyway. And hopefully one of our own children will follow uh, on. We have one fairly interested there. So okay. hopefully... Uh, they, I I just think it's funny in farming, you know, you often hear people saying that they don't mind if their kids are not interested or whatever, but I'm not sure anyone really believes that either. <laughs> no, no, I agree with you. I think it's, uh, uh, although to be fair, my, my children aren't in, in, in farming because uh, I didn't take the farm over, but uh, no, I hear what you're saying. And you said you're in New Zealand there, so how long were you there? Uh, we're there, uh, that's a long time ago now, I suppose it's the most uh, 20 years ago now, but uh, 
we have a spell there, a spell in Australia, a spell in New Zealand. There we're gone, I suppose, for most of a year there. Um, yeah, look, your different scale again, um, different scale of stock and everything else. Uh, I remember the, the first day myself and my wife, well, she wasn't my wife then, but uh, she's now as disabled. We were in a, up on a hill farm in the top of the South Island and uh, we were to move sheep from a hill paddock to another one. And they gave me a pair of binoculars to, uh, and I was driving a ute on this little roadway in the middle of the hill. And my job was to ring either the man above the road or below the road with the dogs if they missed any sheep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's big scale. So, I've been there myself. Big it's big, big scale. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, lovely people, lovely people. And a uh, very interesting place to visit, in fairness. Um, yeah, sure. I thought it can't uh, beat the travel. And and obviously a man who likes to talk to people the same as myself here, but as I said, you run the Out the Gap podcast there, and, and obviously your farming background gives you the ability to, or, or the, the experience, should I say, to, to be able to speak to other farmers. And you're sort of more of a food and farming podcast of yours, and, and beautifully rural that it is. I must say I listen to yours as well. And, and why Out the Gap then? Or what, what's the story there? What was the name of that? What's the the name? The name was, uh, I had various names at the time when I came up with it. Uh, and I had asked a couple of friends of mine that were kind of outside farming, what did they think was, I had various options and they thought that one was the catchiest. Um, so I thought that was the simple, simplest way really. But, uh, and the whole idea of the podcast was, I suppose there wasn't really anyone you would hear sound bites or whatever on, on different, maybe rural related uh, radio programs and, and things, but you wouldn't maybe necessarily hear in-depth um, chats with people or whatever so my idea was that I would uh, record everything in person with people and that has its own difficulties obviously time-wise and everything but that was the whole idea and the premise that uh, I'd record everything in person so obviously that means you can't talk to Andy in France but <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you have a problem that way but in fairness I think uh, when you're in the room it's like as if the two of us were sitting in a snug somewhere now having a pint and recording this it would be a different conversation or if we're sitting looking at a herd of sector cows over a hedge it would be a different conversation than what we're having now so it's it's kind of hard to beat the in-person thing i i totally agree yeah, and, and i i admire you for that as i said you do get out on on farms and you go out and speak when did you start doing this let's just go back to the beginning how long have you been have you been at this podcast yeah so i started uh, i had no background in this kind of thing but i i started it uh, just at the start of covid actually so it was a really bad time but uh I, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I, my general, I, I didn't know either about sound recording either, but uh, as we all know, that can be a hit and miss affair. But uh, I, I contacted um, a couple of their Galloway breeders up on the Knockmill Down Mountains on the Waterford Tipperary border, and I told them what I was trying to do, and I asked them with a mind if I used them as a guinea pig. <laughs> so I went up one March day, and we recorded uh, up there in the hills, actually. Um, and it was really interesting what they're doing actually up there as well. But that's that's a few years ago now. But uh, the whole idea is I, I'm busy at a few other things as well. So the whole idea was that I would do one a month um, and try and put a good effort into it and meet the people. And people tell me from the feedback I get so far anyway that they like the fact they can hear the, you know, either cows grazing in the background or I don't know, the odd time a cow or something, I'll be chatting and a cow will come up to the and start sniffing, sniffing us as we're talking or whatever. So it's, or they can hear a milking machine in the background or a tractor. Or we went out there two or three months ago with a contracting outfit in the middle of, in the Midlands in County Leash. And uh, people, I don't know, people like the sounds and the fact that they could hear the machines passing by and the contractors chatting away as people were beeping the horn at us and whatever. So uh, yeah, I suppose they like the fact they can, uh, 
it sounds a bit pretentious or something, but that they can um, nearly feel nearly feel or see a picture where you are, even though they can't see a picture. It, it, indeed, you were at the, the one I, I was listening to recently. You were at the plowing match there, and you managed to capture the atmosphere brilliantly, and I think that's probably because you could hear you know, the tractors and things moving about in the background. It's, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was... Yeah, that was um, yeah, there was. I was talking to a couple of horse plowmen as well the same day. Yeah, that was the. Uh, yeah, that's a, an in-depth kind of an activity. The plowing, all right. You really want to be uh, into it, as they say. It's it's so precise and uh, so painstaking. But yeah, that was that was really fun actually. That day, I got to meet loads of people. It was a bitterly cold day as well. Actually, I nearly froze because uh, un- unfortunately, I'm um and this I'm kind of used to shearing sheep and different things where I'd be moving a bit more. But that's uh, when you're standing around with a microphone, as you know yourself, it can be fairly. Uh, you're not moving a whole lot, so it can be fairly cold. But uh, no, that was fun. Yeah, and it, look, it is. It's great. Uh, it's great to get the chance, I suppose, to meet different people um, mm-hmm. and and meet them in their own environment. And I think that's the other thing with when you meet somebody in their own yard, they're maybe a bit more comfortable talking into a microphone in their own place rather than if you, you know, maybe I don't know, meet them somewhere else. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's. I, I've been really enjoyed meeting people, and uh, I suppose I have a bank of stuff built up there now. So if I contact somebody, maybe they either know of it or they might have heard of it, or if they haven't, you can send them a few recent episodes, and then they do have a good idea of what you're doing. Sure, so. sure. But I mean, it, you are almost somewhere between a podcast and a and a vlog, really. I mean, you know, I'm sure you know Cammy Wilson on the Sheep Game and these, and there's a lot of yeah. social influence out there. I've got. To, um, uh, Gareth Wynne Jones on on the podcast and and you know these people use the visuals to to be out in in these open spaces and it, it, was that not a route you thought about going down so to put it into a YouTube channel or was it to you it was just about you know the combination of speaking to people but just in their own environment? Uh, I liked, yeah. I think sometimes some people, if you put them on a camera, I think they, it's a totally different thing too, and they might talk away freely enough to a mic, but maybe not be as fond of the idea of a. Um, a YouTube type format, so I don't, I don't know. I haven't really went down that route yet, anyway. And uh, people tell me they like what they're now. Apparently, I I read an interesting thing lately that um I don't know. Did you read any of that stuff? But I read came across something to say that uh, a high percentage of people actually listen to things on YouTube rather than watch them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And they and they were yeah, and they were actually saying like that. Uh, that's why audio and stuff uh, is very important on the nearly more important on the like a YouTube than video because apparently, uh, yeah, you know, if the audio is craft, people won't uh, stay listening to it. Whereas the picture might be brilliant and they will actually stay. So I thought that was interesting, but I haven't thought of going down that road yet anyway. But um, I usually try and get a few photos and uh, stuff when I'm out with people and we kind of use that to promote the different episodes. But uh, yeah, the last guy I was with there was a very interesting character on the West Coast, but uh, he was actually, he got me uh, trying to spin a bit of wool there. (laughs) We tried to do that as a live recording as well. So that was a bit of fun, but it was really interesting actually as well. That's where I think I think sometimes when you do, you're dead right what you say, especially farmers. I mean, you'll be the same. You probably have more of a rural listening. I, I think we've probably got more of a of a farming listenership because we're a little bit more specific on the livestock side. But you know, farmers listen to, to, to my podcast on their tractor or in the pickup when they're going around you know, the stock in the morning or, or, or sometimes we're having a cup of tea and it's not something they would find the time to listen to. And they get home at night and think, oh, I'll put that video on there and they fall asleep watching it. So they probably fall asleep listening, to be fair. They do, but it's, um, I find that, that's uh, fascinating that, um, well, I find that exactly interesting what you say about that. But then when you start going on location and t- spinning some wool, it, it's 
I suppose people just have to imagine imagine what they see, and it must it makes it a lot harder. I think I can just chat away to people with a little bit of research, but actually, when you're live with them, it must make it a lot harder to try and try and capture the capture what's going on as well as just the chat. Yeah, it depends. Um, like I was up with a lovely lady there um, a couple of months ago. Um, Catherine Gester's her name, a, a soccer farmer, and like I could have. I think it was, I, I, loads of people got in touch about the episode. I don't know what it was particularly that struck people, but they just, uh, I suppose we basically did a walk and a chat around the farm and with very little editing or anything like that. And we met some of the different stock and chatted about the history of the place and the animals in front of us and what was happening in front of us as we went around. And it was just very relaxed um, and people were really happy with the way she came out across. And yeah, there was another one I did there back in... Um, February was it or the end of Jan- maybe it was before lambing I'd say maybe it was Jan- the end of January and it was up in the Dublin mountains um, a man called Donny Anderson he's a dog handler um, and I went up with him and he, we went up on top of the, the hills above Dublin there actually looking down over the city but um, you could you know he worked the, he was working the dogs and giving the dogs different little commands as we were chatting and recording and people god that that went all over the place people absolutely loved that one i don't know whether it was the dogs or what but they absolutely uh I, i'm not sure why it, it struck a chord but it did um i maybe they they like the fact it's not too edited or whatever i'm not sure but they, certain ones uh people seem to love the fact they can hear the sound in the background or hear a bit of what's going on yeah and, and as i said what you said yourself really you do chat to ordinary people i I try and I suppose try and seek out some extraordinary people, you know, people who older people who've been in the livestock business or people at the sharp mm-hmm. end of it. But some of your some of the guys you speak to strike me, they're just sort of ordinary farmers and I think maybe or ordinary rural people, should I say. And I think that's obviously where, where people can relate relate to you, especially there in Ireland. Yeah, no, um and we have a listenership there all over the world actually. It's as interesting, uh, I think thirty three different countries now are downloading it or something mad, but um, whether they can all understand me, I don't know. But uh, I, I used to live in Devon years ago, and uh, okay. uh, I used to have to speak uh, as I'm trying to speak tonight quite slowly, um, so people could actually understand me. But uh, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I say it sometimes. I, it might sound offensive to say, uh, you know, you're trying to talk to some of the ordinary people, but uh, that because it can maybe that sounds insulting. But I suppose people that maybe don't have a high profile or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yet there's loads of people that are very interesting to talk to and have interesting stories, um, and and it's it's a real pleasure to, uh, and obviously it's a responsibility as you know yourself I suppose too if you're recording with somebody that that I suppose you hope they're going to be happy with the way it's portrayed. But uh, yeah, I suppose yeah now that as I said to you before, once I, I have a kind of a bank of stuff built up so people can listen and then they can kind of get the general idea then of the way they're done sure. so they're they're happy enough then that they're quite natural and everything sure sure no and i didn't mean to insult by any means saying the ordinary people but i know what you mean they, they come over as sort of rural people with lives that people can relate to i suppose that's kind of what i'm talking and and you said you know listeners all, all around the world and do, can you analyze your audience uh, are they predominantly farmers there or do you get a lot of people you get into the city a little bit with, with bringing your rural, rural tales in a mixture a mixture it seems to be a uh, seems to be a general mixture i suppose generally rural um, generally rural based but uh, yeah a mixture generally um, some I suppose expats but uh, quite a good few in America have been in touch there lately about different ones but uh, yeah I suppose this age of technology it's uh, it's brilliant in a way like really isn't it it's, it's brought us all I can be milking cows and listening to you there or or vice versa and uh, you, you know there's foreign against all this new technology but um, 
it's it's uh, it's yeah it's it's interesting to that you can have such a reach you know so it's and it is great to get feedback as you know yourself it's lovely to hear people enjoyed certain episodes sure. or certain stories sure sure and and do you feel with something that it's uh, struck me over the last I think we're episode 100 and coming up 115 it struck me over the last five or six months now that I realised that I think my podcast all podcasts I think are all life's agricultural media ha- has a responsibility really they, they have a, we have a, a a job to do as well by trying to put a message across about how farmers are and what we produce and and where our food comes from and and, and to educate you know people who, who don't know this this thing and obviously we're not up there with a with the bbc and, and these other ones but we all have a a job and you did one on the importance of the livestock market which i livestock auction market which i i, I was interested in it's it, it's about trying to give a message as well do you, do you feel that responsibility yeah, um, definitely, and and I think it's nice to give, uh, you know, for people to maybe hear the farmer's voice because I suppose if you maybe a certain social media or certain media articles you read or different media you might listen to, you you know, there maybe farmers are depicted that they don't care about the environment or you're only interested in the bottom line and this kind of thing, which is generally not true. Um, you know, a lot of people I would have went to, and I'd be the first to say as well, like we, we would obviously have an effect and we've had negative effects on our own farm and the environment. So, you know, you, you must hold your hand up and take responsibility too. But uh, I think, yeah, I would feel responsibility, but I suppose to tell all sides and, and I suppose challenge people people a bit as well on it. And, and mm-hmm. with, you know, in a, in a balanced way enough, but to, to ask people, you know, or try and poke a few questions to see what they thought some of the solutions were. Like some of the farmers and food producers that I would talk to, I suppose one of the uh, main things, their main bugbears, I suppose, is that, you know, they're, they're kind of singled out as one of the, you know, main I suppose sectors for pollution, whatever. Which and obviously they are a big contributor. But uh, I suppose people would feel that you know if you can, if I can fly to Manchester in the morning on my shopping trip for twenty eight euro one way, like that, that's not very fair either, is it? Um, and when you see the like of aviation, I know aviation is taxed, but uh, but that seems to pee people off in a big way as well. Um, yeah, as far as I can see, totally agree. I think carbon is one of the you know, the, the words that gets mentioned most on on pretty much all of my podcasts. And I said we're covering a few different uh, angles of the media in, in this series just now, but it, it's something that raises its head, and we do have a responsibility towards that. And there's a cost that comes for keeping for us having that responsibility for keeping the carbon down. When deep down, I think a lot of farmers don't feel that we're to blame, but uh, we've got to be seen to be taking that responsibility because uh, you know, the finger has been pointed, the spotlight's been pointed directly at, at the farmer, certainly in the UK anyway. Oh, no, definitely. And and very much here too. Um, but I suppose you must be aware maybe too that maybe that is not, that that could be in a strong opinion shown across media, etc. But I suppose if, or maybe even social media, but I suppose if you're people like my father next door who's 80, he would, he would only be reading maybe some of the, you know, not that many newspapers or whatever, and you wouldn't be on social media or anything like that. So they probably have a different view too, because they don't, they're not exposed to all that. I suppose we, we must forget that often, often you'll see the lunatics or whatever, but, uh, or hear from them the, you know, the most, but you won't hear from the, the other end, like yeah. I'd say, you know, you won't hear from the middle. Sure. 
Sure, I agree. We've got to, got to keep it balanced, haven't we? And, and uh, yes, social media, of course, is very siloed, so we're probably not getting to the people that maybe do disagree with us. And I think there, therein hangs the, the difficulty, I believe, in, in the livestock industry and the livestock media where you and I sit, that we, if we are trying to put that message out and get to people who really need to start understanding where their food comes from and the cost the cost to, to you know, human endeavour that the food comes at, uh, it's very hard for us to get across to those people by crossing the tracks. Ah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, food is and even now people are complaining that you know food is has to start to get expensive and everything but it really it it's still relatively cheap isn't it i mean if you look at this below cost selling and everything it's mad um like like i just saw like the world rugby world cup is coming up there at the moment and uh, i just i was looking at television there the other night and some ad came on with um one of the irish backroom team or whatever um one of their main sponsors the rugby team is one of the German super supermarkets, discount supermarkets, and they were advertising like, uh, you know, bags of vegetables from forty nine cent. You know what I mean? I mean, how how is that good for anybody, really? Um, I, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna take umbrage with you first for mentioning the Rugby World Cup, which I'm going to incidentally next week. I'll be heading off on my travels down down to the to a lot of the games there. And the fact you guys, of course, are right top of the tree, and uh, me being an Englishman, and, me being an Englishman, we're lucky we're struggling to stay in the top ten. So, and my wife being a Scot is is, is cursing being in the same group as you. But and you've in, you've inherited a Tipperary. She's inherited a Tipperary man onto the Scottish team, actually. Yes, yeah, she has. Uh, ben Healy, there now. Is, yeah, he's. Yeah. He's got his. He looks like he's in there for the World Cup now. I believe Ron Nogara actually might be. They're talking of now as the new head coach of England. I, I heard that rumor as well, <laughs> I, but I think over his. I don't think other. that. <laughs> I can't see that happening. But but I, I just think it's mad that you know that cannot be good for producers if they're selling uh, you know bags of vegetables at forty nine cent. Or still, if you go to one of these. I don't know, wherever you want to go, any pub or whatever, you'd probably pay five euros or just a bit shy for your pint of standard lager or something. Um, so, like, you know, where does that stack up? That's kind of mad, isn't That's it? Really? To- totally wrong. I didn't know that was the case, but that is totally wrong. And somebody wants to take the advertising or the agricultural board wants to take a good hard look at, at, at that and on your side for them allowing that to happen. Because, I mean, rugby generally is a rural a rural sport. So a lot of farmers play rugby, of course, as, as they do. And, and you would have thought the sponsors would be promoting some good Irish beef there and not... Uh, oh, not yeah, they should, they'll, they'll promote everything, but uh, I just think it, it's not a good message. Mm-hmm. There's anything that cheapens food too much. Mm-hmm. But, like, still, if you go in, people will say, um, you know, supermarket food is dear or whatever. But, I mean, you can still go in. If I went in or you went in, to, I don't know what it's like in France at the moment, but if I went into a, a supermarket here... Um, with 50 euro, for instance, at the moment, and I went down to the vegetable section, I could get a lot of stuff for my 50 euro, a lot of good food, you know, but it, but ridiculously cheap, really, like when you think of the effort gone into it. So it certainly is. That, cannot, that cannot be good. No, no, it can't. And as I said, well, if we are starting to be responsible for our, our carbon footprint, that comes at a cost, and somebody's got to pick up that cost, be it the consumer or be, be you know, a third party to to make sure that we do it right. But therein hangs a, hangs a deep, deeper tale and we won't go any further down that line for uh, various reasons. And, but and, and the, best, uh, the best look at the World Cup, I should say. <laughs> you said that with your fingers crossed, I'm sure. Um, but just to go on to your podcast, what sort of length do you find your programs? I mean, it comes down to two things. It comes down to how long you can keep a, a person interested who are we recording the podcast with and also how long you know, your farmers and your listeners will uh, will have an attention span of that where, where do you where do you hit pitch yours yeah i kind of do i suppose 
try and keep them for around an hour or a bit less, generally speaking. Uh, there have been some less, but generally they're around that. I'd say. I, I have the misfortune that I don't have the, you have a nice BBC accent, <laughs> whereas I don't have that, I'm afraid. So uh, I might have more of a, I don't know, an agri- agricultural accent, but uh, and it's probably a, a disadvantage to, I think, uh, my accent because... Not at all. Uh, the the like of your I know uh, yeah it's it is a nice local accent or whatever but it's probably not as easy to understand as maybe some other people but uh, yeah I try I try and keep them for around an hour if I can okay okay and how do you choose I mean obviously you've got a sort of wide section you just you know, read the papers do you know people or do you just sort of just uh, hearsay from one another how do you how do you choose who you're going to get in because the difference with you again me is I can pick up the phone to a guy in America Australia or or, or wherever and, and chat so I've a little got more of the world. Uh, at my, at my uh, disposal, if you'd like to talk to people round and about, but how do you choose you know, who you're going to speak to and, and when you're going to get there? Yeah, I, I sure. I, I often no more than yourself probably. Sure, you know a lot of people in livestock, or whatever. But I would, I'd maybe come across people or meet somebody through somebody, or somebody would hear something and say, "Oh, you should go talk to such and such. They'd be really interesting to." And like there have have been people that jumped at the chance because they've literally never been heard on anything or had their story recorded on anything, and they they loved the fact they could. I did one with a man, um, Tom Walton, on his ninetieth, just on the eve of his ninetieth birthday. We actually went out moving cattle. His son was moving cattle, and he sat into the four by four, and we recorded it there in a kind of a wet day inside the four by four because he wasn't that mobile, um, and it was lovely. Uh, it was it was really nice, but. Yeah, I, I suppose, uh, uh, I don't know how I came across him at the time I heard about him or something like that from somebody else. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd just be keeping an eye out and I try and keep a variety of topics. Um, we've done various things. We've, we did one based on wool and the wool trade there. We went up to um, a wool exporter's place where they were packing the wool and we actually shore, I, I shore sheep myself and we recorded it um, and recorded kind of as we're doing the different blows and everything. So it was... Uh, yeah, it's uh, various different things like that. Uh, I, I did one down in um, Washford there uh, a couple of years ago with a really interesting couple. They have the oldest, oldest Scotch brick oven uh, in Ireland. And they it was built by a Scotsman. It came over, just built over three days. You could actually, just so big you can climb into this thing. But um, it was a real art of a thing, but it was really interesting to go. Uh, I'd read about them somewhere and I rang them and asked them with their mind coming down. And I never heard anything from them. And uh, about six months later, one of them rang me and said, I meant to ring you back. And they said to come down. And I went in one morning when all the bakers were finished. And it was brilliant. And she was telling me like about all the, how as a child she went with her father and they used to go up to visit the, some of the hill areas to the hill farmers and they'd bring a sack of bloves with them from the bakery and they'd only meet them maybe once a week or once every 10 days they'd meet them at a crossroads and you know brilliant stories like that so it's it's a privilege really to uh, go around and, and like you know yourself um, if you call to most rural people or most genuine people you get such a warm welcome and you get to go in and have a cup of tea with them or uh, 
Yeah, it's, it's a it's a real privilege, privilege, like really, I have to say. I will admit the one or two that I have done where I have been on farm, Major Walter being one at Balthake, he said, oh, never mind the telephone, come round and have dinner. So we went round and had dinner, and it was a fantastic uh, interview with him until he gave, we had lunch, and then he got a couple of oh, bottles of wine out, and then after the, after lunch, <laughs> with this sub- <laughs> subject got a little bit deeper and a bit ruder, and the edit button came out a little bit more, but it's yeah. great. And, and again, a man getting near his 90th birthday, and it's great to talk to these older ones, and hey, we're not going to live, oh, that's brilliant. not going to live forever, all of us, and I think that was my start really with mine anyway was sort of some of these people that had died with a lot of knowledge that we really should have got from them so that that's sort of the purpose I suppose that I ah yeah absolutely and you you have that record there forever do you know what I mean um and that's that's the lovely thing about it you know that record is there and that's it um uh-huh. it's there and it's put away and it's shelved if, if if only I don't know if only a thousand people ever listen to it it's still a lovely record to have sure, like sure indeed um, and, it's, and it's there forever yeah. as you said it is and and, and um you you I, I noticed you were on somebody else's podcast there Ben Eagle or the Eat Farm now and um is that a UK based podcast there that they it's good we all talk to each other really isn't it yeah yeah I was on with Ben there for the Meet the Farmers there not so long ago we had a bit of a chat on that um and uh, yeah, Eve Farm now there was set up there. I think that was set up originally back in COVID. So they were quite good. They it's a really good website actually. They were kind of set up as an agri education, food education website, I suppose. But they're great to promote um maybe people that are doing independent stuff or whatever, um, relating to uh, I suppose ag or food in general. And they've they've been really helpful to me there as promoting it at different places or whatever. So uh I'd have to say thanks to him for that, because. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose you were on about yeah a, a minute ago how I how I contact people. I suppose I have the beauty of the fact that I'm not um, I'm not really affiliated with anybody, so I can go to whoever I like, uh, which is a big plus. I I can literally do whatever I want, um, which is a, a big bonus, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't go to have a main sponsor in, involved in, in you that uh, puts pulls you. No, I'm not sponsored by Harbro. <laughs> <laughs> Or any of these, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't think they'd be very happy with me anyway, because I, I generally don't feed the pedigree stuff very, uh, very, very much, as they say. Generally not. So uh, I try and keep a kind of a take a slightly different approach on them. But uh, no, I don't have a, a main sponsor as such. I've done a few bits and pieces for different companies, but no main sponsor as such. So I'm I'm very free and easy that way. Okay. But I, I say I'm, I'm not putting out, you're putting out a big lot of stuff there. I, I'm not putting out, um, because I suppose the fact I'm at other things, and I I want to always record as much as possible in in person. So and I have done that so far. So I suppose the whole uh, premises that I would I couldn't devote too much time to it. So I just that's why I just have kind of one one a month is what I put out. Okay, one um, a month. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that uh, yes, we are sponsored by Harbro, but uh, they they in no way dictate or even advise what I put on the podcast, and uh, they're always quite happy with the diversity that we use, and it's not just about promotion. Yeah, and, yeah. And and um, as uh, Gareth Wynne Jones said, well, one or two people have said that he's a social influence. Apparently, I'm a social influence. We're 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 farming influence, aren't we? There, and I think, as I said, to get or to get our voice heard and get it out there, rather than farmers sitting there watching, you know, watching. Or, or listening to Radio 2, what have you, I think there's there's a place, and do you think that, yeah, we're getting a message too? Is there more of us getting out there and, and getting a message through? And, and, and do you see see us growing? Yeah, I'd say there, there probably is. Um, I, I think as farmers, we can be our own worst enemy at times in the sense that um, we'll say 
even on social media and stuff, which is obviously very, there is a lot of positives about social media because especially maybe during COVID and that it is a great way for people to connect and I suppose have a bit of a network. But I think farmers are very fond of taking busman's holidays and going to agricultural shows or traveling across to the Highland show and places like that. And maybe sometimes, um, I know if I went to flew over to France in the morning and said I was going to go visit Andy and, and bring a case of wine with me, <laughs> I'd probably I'd spend the drive probably looking over the hedges yeah. and the fences. Yeah. But I think we have we have a problem in ag and that we're inclined to do that. And sometimes maybe we need to. It can be refreshing, like to go to a room of people. I don't know. Will you agree with me now? And maybe they have no involvement with ag, or they might have a different viewpoint on things. Um, and sometimes we we socialize a bit too much together at times. I think certainly, and maybe that's maybe that's to the detriment of the wider view of farming as well. Maybe certainly so. And as I said, I, I, over the last two or four months, I've suddenly realised that, that the responsibility that we have really maybe to try and get to get reconnect a little bit more with the general public where their where their food comes from. But it's a hard job to do. But I think we all we all play our our part there. But uh, I'm not sure if this you're going to put my podcast out on your on your channel or not, but certainly uh, it, it's good for our listeners to hear a podcaster from a, a different part of the world. There, I do, yeah. I pro- I promote. I actually I had listened to your just most recent one there. The I just listened to it the other day with the producer of this Farming Life. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it anyway. There, so I have to say, it was just interesting to hear. Um, and that's a really good program, actually. That one I have to say as well. So people should check out that program. It just started there. I think it was on BBC Two last night yeah. for the new series. But it really. Good genuine program i think um and i think it, it hits like you said in your own podcast it, it, with the producer kind of hits farmers and the general public it caters for them all like really so, that's yeah, it's, um, definitely I'd, I'd recommend it definitely more in, in in the middle of the road there well i i really appreciate you taking the time to chat to me noel anyway and just, just to repeat that your podcast is called out the gap and and uh, you're out there yes, on yeah. social media in various places and i'm sure you've got ah yeah facebook. if they if they look it up they, if they yeah facebook there and Twitter has a Twitter account and a bit of Instagram there. People, I generally try and put up a few photos and videos and stuff with maybe a few clips um, from where um, where we record or whatever. But uh, the last one was was on the west coast of Ireland. It's our August episode uh, with a man called Seamus Kerwin. But a beautiful part of the country, really stunning. Um, there's some nice photos and videos up there from it, but absolutely stunning part of the country. It was a pleasure to go up there, but uh, no, look, it was a real pleasure, and uh, thanks for chatting, Andy. It's a uh, it's a long way to Tipperary, so uh, <laughs> but you'll have to come you'll have to come over at some point there. I have been there, but it's a long while ago. So you're right; it's somewhere that uh, that I will try and get myself back over to. And I'll oh, do you? Yeah, yeah, if you come if you come over this side, we'll we'll have a we'll have a pint definitely. <laughs> and I'll uh, you might be I could might interest you in a couple of nice Dorset yours or something. Is it Paul, <laughs> Paul Dorsets that you breed? Is it Paul's hunt? Yeah, yeah, Paul Dorsets. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. no, I, my, my neighbour here in France has bulldozers, it's funny enough, but I have I have Ryland, so we're so it's, yes, similar type I've of sheep. I've seen the photos, yeah. Similar type of sheep. They'd be a good thriving, thriving type of sheep. Every shearer's the dream. <laughs> oh, not, 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 not. There are a few down in Tipperary, a few Rylands down there, a couple of breeders down there. Anyway, as I said, we'll, we'll try and get over there and, and see you and, and listeners here. Just get out and check out the Out the Gap podcast. And uh, Noel, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to have you on, on Top Lines and Tales. Yes, absolute pleasure, Andy. Lovely to chat. Cheers. Thanks very much. Okay. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Top Lines and Tales, your weekly livestock podcast. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Harbro. And if you're not familiar with Harbro, the 
Harbro not only offer a wide range of nutrition for, for all animals, um, but they also offer nutritional advice there and, and they can be found in, in a lot of countries too. Um, please look out Harbro on the internet or on social media or, or contact your local representative to find out what Harbro can do for you and your livestock. And while you're there on social media, don't forget to look up our Top Lines and Tails Facebook page and join our community where you'll find photographs and other things to back up this episode. And also, please uh, hit the, the follow button on our podcast there, which which will then remind you every time we put a new podcast out there, you'll get a little email just to, to give you a reminder. And it also helps us. And it also helps us intensify our presence there on the Internet. So uh, please do that for Top Lines and Tails and uh, great to speak to you.